Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, we, we thank you for family and friends. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you for Carl and Nancy. Thank you for your kindness to all of us in diverse ways. We pray that this morning you speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So briefly, let me speak to you about, uh, on the topic, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In other versions of the Bible, we, we're actually going to the book of Habakkuk, which were, was read for us. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. And it has been said already, but let me repeat. We are actually ending the year 2023. Today, by the grace of God, we are ending the year. And another year is about to start. If I ask you, what is your take on 2023? I'm going to get all kinds of answers. Great moments, but also very difficult moments in the year. Now, have you also noticed that in this world, trouble-free world is not the norm. The norm is actually every year coming with its own issues. That is a fact. From Genesis 3 to date, it has been a world with issues. So if you are asking for a normal world, until the Lord Jesus returns, normal world is a world that runs normal with issues, with its own troubles. Each year will bring us one. And you can be certain that 2024 is going to come with its own issues. We don't know what they are, but there will be issues. There will be people going to the hospitals, and there will be people coming out of it. There will be, unfortunately, people going into the hospitals and not coming out of it. There will be people who will give birth, and there will be people who will move on into eternity. There will be issues. There will be all kinds of things, big and small. That is the pattern. If that is the pattern, my brothers and sisters, how should we live? If the world is not going to be issues-free, trouble-free, problems-free, then how should we live now? And the scriptures made it clear. Let me just state it straight to the point. The scripture says that those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, they will live by faith. And that is what we mean by the just shall live by faith, or the righteous ones shall live by faith. Those who have been put right with God, they will live their lives by being faithful and by having faith all at the same time. So how should we go into the coming year and live in it? We don't know what the year holds, but how should we enter it and live in it? Knowing that until Jesus returns, each year, as I've said, will come with its own issues. The fire will be on whether or not we like it. 
the fire will be on. The floods will come, whether or not we like it. I wish I could tell you otherwise and say to you that it's going to be a trouble-free year. And you know what I'll be doing to you? I'll be lying to you. Because the Lord Jesus himself never even promised that until he returns again the second time. There's going to be issues. So how should we live? Habakkuk tells us, and I'm going to point it out in two ways, just two ways. Number one is when the fire is on and when darkness looms and when there are troubles and issues at home and some of them you can't make sense of it. Even as a Christian, Habakkuk is telling you that take your complaints, take your lament, your cry, take it to God. There is nothing wrong with a Christian lamenting, if you understand what I mean by that. Complaining, not complaining in the negative sense of complaining about everyone. In the sense of, I can't understand exactly what God is doing. It is as if when I pray, it hits the ceiling and returns to me. Is God actually listening to me? Some are sometimes tempted to think that it is because they might have sinned somewhere unknowingly. When that happens, take your complaint to God. And the second thing is wait for the Lord. So let's take the first one. Bring your complaints to the Lord. Now if I take you to the first chapter of this short book called Habakkuk. I don't know how many of you have actually gone there to read it. It's only three chapters. You can read it within a short time. The first chapter, this is what is happening. Habakkuk, who is a prophet, who is a, a man of God, as we say, he is complaining. He is lamenting, and he is lamenting because something deeply troubling, troubling, is worrying him. It's troubling him. And then it is causing him to, as it were, wrestle with God. He knows who God is. At least he has read it from other parts of the Old Testament. But when he considers what is happening before him, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. If God is like this, why should this be happening? If God is good, why should I and why should we? And here is a problem that was going on. He looks at the church. The church. He looks at God's own people. And the people who are meant to know God and to live for him are actually unjust people. There are all kinds of things happening among God's people, he says. Uh, verse, one of, um, verse 2 of chapter 1. Oh Lord, how long shall I continue to cry for help? I cry violence and the saving God does not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly, when somebody is idle, I don't care kind of thing. And Habakkuk is saying, that is how I see God, at least from my perspective. Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So nobody is even obeying the Bible. Nobody is obeying the law. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Nobody is really doing what is just and what is right. And this is among the people of God. And if God is indeed holy, what we expect is what? He will clean up his church. He will act quickly. 
Because you are just. Injustice is happening right in the church. Right among God's people. We are taking advantage of his people. We are ex... And God doesn't seem to care. At least according to Habakkuk. That's what I see happening. And he is complaining. Bringing it to God in prayer. He's not pretending about it. And then God answers him. God gives him a response. And this is God's response. God says to Habakkuk, let me summarize it. I'll read it. He says, my ways are not your ways, Habakkuk. My ways are not your ways. I am working in ways that you do not expect. You expect me to go this way, isn't it? That is a human thing. If there is something happening that is bad, you act quickly and then you end it. That's how we react to things. And God says that, I'm dealing with injustice. I'm dealing with the problems, but only in the ways that you expect. Look among the nations, verse 5, he says. That is God talking. And see, wonder, and be astound, astounded, be surprised. For I am doing a work in your days that you will not believe if told. You will not believe it if told. What am I doing? For behold, I am raising up non-Christians. I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not, on their, not their own. So here is what God is saying, and it's shocking. You have to be shocked if you understand it. I'm going to deal with my people. I'm going to deal with the church. But I'm going to use the world, as we say. We're going to use the non-Christians. They will come in. They will discipline the church. I will use them to purify my church. And then Habakkuk said, this doesn't even make more sense at all. Are you trying to say that you cannot deal with your people amongst your people? Why do you need to take a non-believing nation to deal with your people, knowing that you are holy, you are good and kind and just? That way of doing things cannot be consistent with God. Why must it be this way? Why must I suffer in order to gain? Don't we ask that question? Okay, maybe not you. Why must I always suffer? Even when I give my life to the Lord. Why must it be this way? And God says, but I'm working. And if I tell you the way I'm working, you will still not believe it. Because in your mind, you expect me to work in a certain way. Have you ever wondered that about God in your own life? I don't know what your situation is. Why must you, holy, righteous, good God, do things this way? A God who we are told in your word, and indeed we have experienced it in the past. We're told you are all loving, you are all knowing, you are all powerful. If God cares about me, then why? Why am I? Why has it taken so long? Someone said to me some time ago, Pastor, I don't even know if God hears me when I pray. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody just winked and said, very much, thank you. That's comforting. Some people are here who have experienced that. I don't even know if God hears me when I pray. God says to you, it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to come to God with these sort of turmoil in your heart and in your stomach this wrestling 
It's okay. Bring all your questions to him and engage him. Why do you think Habakkuk brings his questions to God? Because actually he trusts God. He knows who God is. And that is why he's, he's coming and said, I know who you are, but this doesn't make sense. So bring all your questions to God. But the real question that we often ask in our minds without speaking it, lest other Christians will think that we don't have faith. And so we all say that it shall be well. It shall be well. Of course, we trust God for that. Or, oh, everything is fine. When we greet in our local language, we say that, Onyamiadum. But sometimes in our own closet, we are weeping and crying and wetting our pillows with tears because we are wondering whether we are actually among God's people at all. And then sometimes we are moved to jealousy because we look at the others that we think we are more righteous than they. And look, they are better off than we are. Is God doing anything? Does God care? Well, what God is doing will what God is doing, if anything at all, bring me any good? Will it help? Now, living by faith is this. Living by faith is knowing that God is already... He is already at work through the daily issues of life. God is already at work through the daily, what we call the mundane issues of life. Wake up, go to work, you have a job to do, come back home. If you are married, spouse, there are issues, you argue, all these other things. The mundane issues of life, God is at work through them. And here is what he is doing. God is working, and most times his work works beat our imagination the moment we are able to understand everything that god is doing he ceases to be god he ceases to be god it's logical if god is god and we are not then we understand only in parts only a small part of what god is doing and sometimes he chooses not to tell us because if he told us right now we won't even believe it because it's not consistent with the way we are expecting. Faith means bringing all your complaint to God through prayer. Yeah, just bring it. Just, just pour out your tears. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That if you have faith, you shouldn't say certain things. You shouldn't come to God and, and, and really ask God questions if you have faith. In fact, if you have faith, you ask God questions. Because you know that he's a God who answers. And you are confused. And he's your father. If you are in Christ, and therefore ask him. So let me ask again. How else do we continue this year? I said the first time, how do we continue to live in a year that we don't know what it carries? Bring every complaint to God. The next 12 months, whatever happens, bring your complaint to God. The second one is this. Wait for the Lord. Living by faith means wait for the Lord. Now, uh, one of the hardest things for Christians to do, for all people, but especially for us Christians, is to wait. Is to wait. We are like children. You tell them, sit here and wait. And then they are off and back. Waiting is hard for us. We think if we don't act, God will delay. He will delay. Waiting for how long? For how long should I wait? I've been waiting for 10 years already, praying about this issue. For how long again, we ask. So what does it mean to wait? 
What does it mean to wait at least here in Habakkuk? We always hear the expression, I am waiting on the Lord. When people are fasting and praying, they say, I'm waiting on the Lord. And we all don't understand what it means. We just say it. It's one of the Christian jargons, especially in our part of the world. I am waiting on the Lord. Actually, the Christian life is a life of waiting. The Christian life is a life of waiting. We are waiting. This world, this world in which we find ourselves, we are in a waiting lounge. For those of you who travel to places, you are traveling to, let's say, um, Benin. And then you fly from Accra and the plane gets to Lome. And you get to Lome's airport. But that is not where you're going. You're going to Cotonou. But you have to wait. And there is a certain way of waiting. Because if you wander off into Lome town and you don't keep in mind the time for your flight, you will miss your flight. Lome is not your final destination. This world, in this world, we are waiting. It is a life of waiting. But we are waiting for someone, not just something. We are waiting for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. Have you forgotten that? We live life as though this world is all there is, isn't it? Jesus is actually coming back. Let me talk to these youngsters. Sit. Okay, sit down. You come, sit. Okay. Now you come and sit here. Come, sit down. All right. Sometimes I do that to my own kids, so I have to exercise discipline sometimes. Now nobody should move. Just sit. Sorry I've embarrassed you, but you've got to sit. And these ones too must sit. <laughs> All right, everybody sit, okay? When I'm speaking, you sit quietly, okay? All right. So we are in the waiting lounge, brothers and sisters. That is what the Christian life is, as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. But this waiting is not waiting and doing nothing. It is actually waiting actively. We are waiting and doing something. What does it mean to wait? Let's come back to wait. It means, when you are waiting, it means that you are willing to lay it all down. This is what waiting is. When I'm waiting, I am willing, even when I don't understand, I'm willing to lay it all on God while I go about my normal day-to-day -day Christian life. I don't understand. I don't know what is happening. But I'm willing to give it to God and live my Christian life. And continue in faithfulness to him. So let's ask the question. Let's push this idea of waiting. What does waiting look like? Let's actually get practical. What does it look like? Waiting means, this is how it looks like. It means, it looks like this. Keeping the big picture in mind. I will explain in a minute. But look with me at chapter 2 and verse 1. This is what Habakkuk says. I will take my stand at my watch post. Please listen. Forget about the kids for a moment. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Now, it doesn't make sense when you read it. What's he talking about? Why would Habakkuk station himself on a tower? Now, if you know what a tower is, a tower is like um, if you have a very, very high building. Old castles have them. 
and then you climb up to the tower. Usually the military in ancient times, they will use it. Go up to the tower or a very high building so that you can cast a view of what is happening. You are here, but you can see whether an enemy is coming or a messenger is approaching. You can have a good view. So Habakkuk says, I don't understand what God is doing, so I'm going to go up on the tower and I'm going to watch to see if he's going to say anything. What is he saying? I want to have a perspective. I want to have the big picture so that I can understand where I find myself. Because in my little world as I am, I'm going to get absorbed into my self-pity and why things are not happening the way I want them to happen for me. It is just me and my little world. God says, go up to the tower. Get a wider perspective of God's purposes. Then you will understand what he's doing. And his word reveals his bigger objective. God has a bigger agenda, which is bigger than my little life, but it includes it. It's not without it. And so if I'm going to understand some of the things that I'm going through, we do not make sense. I've got to go up the tower like Habakkuk and have a perspective. Go up the word. Understand God's big agenda. And then you have a perspective of yours and why God, what God may be doing. And that's what Habakkuk is teaching us. Don't simply be caught up. Oh, how much we all get into our own little worlds and self-pity. Self-pity, self-pity. Comparing with somebody else and looking at mine. Oh, such an unfortunate person I am. God is doing something more beautiful and more glorious than you can imagine. Even in your own darkness. He's doing that always. And listen to something that Job says. And I'll be finishing soon. Job, chapter 23, he says this. On the left hand, when he's working, I do not behold him. If God is working on my left, I can't see him. I can't see anything. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. I can't see what God is doing. But he knows the way that I take. God knows my, I can't see his ways. He knows my ways. When he's tried me, when I've gone through all these things, I shall come out as gold. Job, say, Job says, oh, you didn't get it. It's because of the way I'm communicating it. Let me take you to James. Maybe James will help. James 1. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That one too didn't do it. It's because of the preacher, not the word. So let me take you to 2 Corinthians and read that one. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comforts, who comforts us in our own affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What are these three passages saying? Maybe Romans will make it clearer. Last one. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The whole point, let's summarize it, is this. I don't always understand what God is doing. 
I lead a church. Sometimes I have no idea what God is doing. But this I know. When he has completed his work, whether it is through darkness or light, we, according to his purpose, we will come out as gold. Or, in our day-to-day -day work, he will comfort us in our afflictions such that he will use us to comfort others with the comfort he has given us. The point is this. God is always doing something which is bigger than us. And until we climb the tower of his purposes revealed in his word, we won't understand it. And we'll be trapped in self-pity. Also, climb the tower of God's plan through his word. Now, what does waiting look like? Again, it means you live obedient life in the midst of your difficulty. Let me give examples of that. And Habakkuk will show us. You may say that I've been praying. I've been praying for financial breakthrough, somebody says. And everybody wants it. And it is not coming. So when I have the opportunity to steal my way or to cheat my way through, I will take it. And then I will just baptize it, God giving me a breakthrough. Because I've been praying for this. It's not happening. I'm going to help God to bless me. Or I've been waiting to get married, but it is not coming. So... After all, I just want to have children. When I get my way to have a child with someone, I'm going to do it because I'm aging. I'm going to help God get to this. I've been trying. I've been trying to change a situation or someone. And it is not happening. So when I get the opportunity, I will apply manipulation. So that I'll get things sorted. Waiting means... Being faithful to the Lord, even in the midst of darkness, it means we just have to ask, what does the Lord require of me in this situation? And Habakkuk shows us. Listen to chapter 2, verse 1 again. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself. This is a military language. Now, when you go to Bema camp and you see the entrance, you see a military man with his gun and he is stationed at his post. Whether or not he likes it, or he would rather be with his wife or husband at home, his superiors are saying, you are stationed here for the next one week. You go and you are stationed here. Habakkuk says, I will take my station. Because as a prophet, I've been given that station to station, to watch over the people. I'm like a military man. That is what the Lord has assigned me. Though I don't understand him, I will obey him and just keep stationed. I'm not going to change position. I don't understand him, but I will obey him. So complaining to him is not a sign of lack of faith. It's a sign of I'm just confused. But I trust you. Habakkuk says, I will simply obey him. He is told in verse 2, write the vision down. What is the vision? The vision that God is going to use Babylonians to judge his people, and then later he will judge the Babylonians that is a vision. And he says, write it down. Your responsibility is to write it down. Write it down. And then wait for it. You see the waiting. Now, what, what do waiters do? When you go to restaurants, what do waiters do? They do what? Waiters serve. What would you want to have for a drink? What would you like to eat if they are good waiters? And then when you are eating, they come and ask you, is everything all right? Oh, everything is fine. 
sometimes it's not tasty at all. But because they have asked you by being so polite, you're also polite back. And say, it's great. It's not great. You're lying. <laughs> Waiters serve. Ah, that is what we are called to do as Christians. Whether or not we understand all that is happening around us, we are called to serve the Lord, to obey him through service. We do it anyway. We will do it. Not because of what we just get from him. We will do it because that is our Lord. Oftentimes we serve because of what we might get. So when the thing is not coming, we get discouraged. And then we stop. But still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not die. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. What is God saying? He's saying that he has a time that is not your time. Just wait for it. Keep serving. Keep serving. And finally, let me jump ahead. Finally, this is what he says. Waiting is always seen in patient. Patiently trusting and being faithful. Chapter 2 and verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. What does it mean? What does it mean the righteous, those who have been put right by God through faith in Jesus, they live their lives by being two things from the same word, by being faithful to God, obedience, and by trusting him, even when they don't understand. Total allegiance to God, total dependence on God. The Christian life is a life of faith, that is we live every day of our lives not depending on our bank accounts. Ultimately, we live every day of our life by depending on God. By depending on God. If you depend on your bank accounts, anything at all can happen. The government of Ghana can do some bonding stuff and then your money is locked up. You live your lives depending on God. So, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Just take a moment and talk to the Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what is happening um, in Habakkuk. And we pray that God the Holy Spirit will take it and drive it into our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.